All right, welcome back to another episode of A-Sides. On this episode, I chatted with singer-songwriter Stephen Keane. Hey, good, Steve. How you doing? All good, all good. Thanks again for the opportunity for today. Hey, no problem, man. Thank you for calling in. Awesome. So, hey, Steve, what uh, what all you got going on, man? I know you got a new song coming out called "Them and yep. Us." Them and Us. Yep, yep. Uh, so, um, the song is uh, set for release uh, August twenty eighth. Uh, so pretty soon. And, um, you want to know a little bit about the tune, I guess. Absolutely. I want to know okay. whatever you want to talk about. So <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I don't run right. a tight ship here, man. We'll just, uh, we'll discuss whatever we'll let it. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, so them and us is a sort of a song that, um, I always, I was looking to write about the mindset between, us, somebody about uh, really building walls around them and us, and and I I wrote it about a month before, six weeks before the Floyd incident, and I always wanted to write another tune about racism. I wrote a couple in the past. One was called Two Twins, that was released a while back, and then also another one that was called Poor Howard about the tragedy that happened at Howard Beach racism uh, event back in the day. But um, my mindset for this song was really writing more about um, the them and us in, in um, religion, in politics, in sexual preference, orientation, I should say. And, um, you know, it's, it's bigger. In my mind, it was, it's always bigger than just the, the, although the racism thing is huge. We, we as human beings carry prejudice amongst political organizations amongst um, religious organizations, amongst uh, people uh, different than us uh, on their uh, sexual orientation. It's bigger than just the racism issue. And so I wrote this, believe it or not, six weeks before the Floyd incident with the mindset of religion, race, politics. And what that means is you know, politics-wise, it means uh, Democrats, uh, Republicans. You know, the Democrats on one side, Republicans on another, and mindsets, walls, them and us. Um, religion, Judaism, Catholicism, Protestant, M- Muslims, all thinking their own tribe is them, is, is us, rather, and everyone else is them. And what that kind of influence is in America and in the world. Um, and then what happened, ironically— and also money, actually, poor and, and wealthy, you know, them and us. And what happened, ironically, is um, when I finished the song, or was close to finishing the song, I had a few more verses to write, the Floyd incident happened. And so I added the last two verses of it relative to what happened with Floyd. Um, and and then we, we put it out, you know, we mastered it. We, we finalized it and mastered it and put it out. We didn't put it out yet, but we just, you know, started the process of distribution. So that's really the mindset behind them and us. And um, the uh, the label, you know, basically they took it to 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 do a video 
really reflective of the racial situation in America and around the present day and the past, you know. And you'll see, I did you did you see you didn't see the video yet, I, I, I assume. No, I have not seen the video. I listened to the song, but I nobody sent me the video, so Is Okay, it, it's cool. not out yet, I assume, cuz I It's not out yet, but I'd be happy to send it to you. It's pro, it's like a private YouTube um okay. yeah but i'd be happy to send it to you but it really is about a lot about the racial situation but it's also about what i talked about earlier the uh separation in religion politics um and the guy did a great job um who put put the video together so um it speaks volumes of, um really talks shows what i'm trying to say through words well, cool, yeah, man. I'll, I'd definitely like to check it out. Um, I could text it to this number. Is this a cell? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a cell, so you should be able to text it. That'd be okay, great. Cool. Man. I'd like to check it out. Um, so, you know, first of all, I, I checked out a few songs, you know, older songs as well before uh, before she sent me the, the the latest song, and you know, my first. My first thought was, as far as, you know, where I would assume you got a lot of your influence from. And so I just want to know if, if I'm even hitting the nail on the head here. <laughs> Might be totally off, but my first guess is going to be, you know, Bob Dylan. If you have to be a big Bob Dylan fan. I am. I'm a huge okay. Bob Dylan fan. And he's the one who really started for me. I was lucky enough to do a couple of albums with his band members over oh, the yeah. years. So... Uh, Howie Wyeth and uh, Rob Stoner were on the Rolling Thunder review, played on on right. Desire uh, with the album that had Hurricane, and I think they toured with him for two years. Great, great musicians. Howie has passed on, but Rob's still around. I did an album with them in 1990 called Keen on Dylan, huh. and then in '94 or five, I did another album with his present bass player Tony Garnier. Um, who's been with him for, I don't know, it must be 30 years now, 20, yeah, 30 years. Oh, my God. I think he started in 88. Uh, so uh, Tony Garnier, John Jackson, he was with him for a long time, and Bucky Baxter, pedal steel player. Um, so those guys I did another album within the mid-'90s. So, yeah, I was lucky to sort of pick up some of his musicians and, and play some stuff together, which was a big deal for me. I loved it, you know, meeting up with them and laying some stuff down. Nice. Well, I was glad that, you know, <laughs> cause I didn't know any You're of right that, on. you know, it was just, yeah. she sent me, uh, you know, your name asking about doing an interview and everything. And I checked out your stuff and was like, wow. I mean, I'm a Dylan fan myself. And so that was the first, that was my first thing that I thought was like, yeah, man, I, this guy's obviously a Dylan fan. If not, then, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know where you got, got his sound from, but yeah, I want to talk to him, you know? And so, so that was cool, man. I, I'm, I'm glad that I hit the nail on the head there. Although it might've been a even more interesting conversation if you were like, no, no, <laughs> not a fan <laughs> at all. Who? Actually, I Bob can't who? stand him. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so, well, cool, man. Uh, so I assume, you know, you've been a, a fan a long time of his i have um, i've been i've been listening to him for since i'm a little kid so yeah yeah i've seen him live a couple times myself just within the last uh yeah 
within the last 15 years, probably two different times, but I thought modern times I saw him on that tour and it was just, man, that record was so great anyhow, but great. Yeah. And I, uh, anytime he comes through town, uh, I usually see him in New York at the beacon theater a lot. You know, he's been playing there for years. It's been a great venue. It's one of the great, great theater. And, um, I've, I always see when he, whenever he blows through town. So he still can put on a show, man, at his age, which is incredible. Yeah, I mean, he seems to just adapt, you know what I mean? And he's not adapting in the sense of trying to follow what, you know, his hip and, and whatever. It's just more what he's doing now fits him at that age, you know what I mean? Like, yep. But it's still cool. It's not like, <laughs> I, I don't know, it's not like you're watching him going, oh, well, that's just, you know, an old man doing what he can do and it's lame, it's still really, I mean, the first time I saw him back on that uh, Modern Times album, it was just, you know, Elvis Costello opened, and he opened acoustic, and I've seen him a handful of times, and he was so good, I just thought, like, man, I know Dylan's Dylan, but I I don't even know how Dylan's going to follow that, you know. (laughs) But I, I obviously did, and it was a great, really great show, and... The thing I really appreciate about him is the fact that, you know, he comes out, has all these hits under his belt, decades worth of albums, right? And he comes out and he just pretty much plays that new record front to back with like, like he opened with Rainy Day Women, had Highway 61 stuck in the middle, and I think he closed with All all Along the Watchtower. But other than that, he played Modern Times, which was the new record at the time. Most, you know, a lot of people in that crowd may not have even known any of those songs, and he just came out, and that's what he did, <laughs> you know. He always, he always does his own thing, and there never was, and there never will be anybody like him, you know. Absolutely, His, history will tell. So, who are some of your other uh, big influences? I mean, that was obviously, you know, an apparent one, and that's a huge one, so. Oh, I mean, I'm, I love Woody Guthrie, which was Bob's hero. Um, I love Leonard Cohn, you know, Tom Waits. But I also like, um, you know, I also am heavily into a lot of the older blues, like uh, Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, Elmore James, all those guys. I, I just listen to all day long. I love it. I can't get enough. And then I also like some strange off-the-wall kind of stuff, like Henry Mancini and Ennio Morricone. Um, and, um, I'm a big Theolonious Monk fan, you know, jazz, uh, piano player, you know, he's just, he's just, I just love, love his stuff. I listen to him all the time too. So, I mean, that's really what I've been, what I listen to. I don't listen to as much new stuff, although I do do here and there, hear things I like, but I'm mostly going back to my, my stuff, my comfy songs that I love, you know what I mean? And, and artists that I love. Yeah. Well, there's so much. I mean, I do listen to some new stuff. I mean, a lot, especially since doing this podcast. I try to. I've been trying to keep up more on newer stuff. But you know, there's so much old stuff that I, I discover where I'm like, man, how did I not know about this? Why was I not right. listening to this 20 years ago? And and then I dive in, want to own everything that band's ever done and whatever. But. But no, the Tom Waits thing, man, it's, 
Uh, he's such a character. When he said his name, I thought, oh, wow. Because it's not every day you talk to somebody that's a Tom Waits fan, you know. But And his stuff's so unique. That's why. It's like I think people that love him, love him. <laughs> you know, there's right, not much exactly. of an in-between. Like, you either get it or you don't. Or I think maybe sometimes the charm is that you kind of don't get it. Like, that dude is just yeah, right. so off the wall, you know. And uh, so much of a jazz influence in his stuff to where, I mean, obviously his early days was more, you know, kind of the balladeer behind the the piano. It was uh, more digestible maybe for most people. And then he hit that that time, like, Swordfish Trombone album where he just goes just way out there. I mean, the first time I heard that album, I just... I didn't even know what to think. Now I love it, but, um, but yeah, that guy, man, I, I feel like just his stuff alone, there's a lot to digest there, you know? Yeah. And a lot of different styles with, within what he does, which is, which is, and, and I would say, you know, um, if you look back at Dylan's career, how much he has changed since he, you know, was that Woody Guthrie, um, you know, almost Woody Guthrie imitator or, on his first album, or sound alike, to so many different changes, you know, folk, country, rock, um, um, I mean, gospel, uh, jazz, um, just all over, you know, and that's what I love about Tom Waits, too, is he's never uh, fearful of discovery, you know, and going down a different path, you know, and that's it's really what Dylan has done throughout his career and successfully, which is sometimes not really quite easy when you change paths. Right. Yeah. I mean, he has, you know, kind of the, the famous, uh, the show where he bust out and I, I can't remember the exact year or the, the, uh, the venue, but you know, when he bust out the electric guitar for the first time, and everybody's yeah. booing him and just throwing stuff yeah. at him, pissed. They're so mad, you know. That was that was Forest Hills, nineteen sixty-five, the summer of, and he came out and um, and and they and they booed him, and they and they booed him throughout 90, 19, uh, 1966, too, when he was on tour with the band. So, you know, uh, it's qu- happened quite a bit. Um, it was years where he was sort of. Uh, the true folkies didn't want to hear it. You know what I mean? They didn't want to hear that he, he would make a change. And um, I think that probably only made him want to change more. Right. I know I, I know I would. Yeah, I mean, all that stuff is, uh, you know, probably my favorite era. I mean, Blonde on Blonde is still, you know, probably my favorite album of his Great album. now. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's so good. My favorite song on that album is obviously Five Believers, which is just a great bluesy rock and tune. Right. One of my favorites. Yeah. Great album. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's got, we could probably sit here and pick apart, you know, his <laughs> his whole career and talk. I mean, he's just one of those that, you know, he seems like he was pretty well consistent I'd say at least through Blood on the Tracks. I mean, um, you know, he, he had a few in the 80s and stuff that were kind of not as solid of records, I, I think, you know. But 
but nonetheless, I say that, and then if I went back and listened to him now, I'd probably be like, uh, okay. <laughs> it's better than I was thinking. I probably just got done listening to, you know, Blonde on Blonde or Highway 61 Revisited and then compared it to, you know, like Slow Train Coming. I, that album, to me, was just kind of always okay compared to a lot of his stuff prior to that, so... Yeah, there's there's shining stones throughout um, his post 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 um, post uh, blood on the tracks. Um, there's shining shi- there's shining gems throughout. You know, um, it's amazing to me though that he could still write. You know, after all these years, you know, and so well. So, you know, like I said before, there never was and there never will be anyone like him. Right. Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to sit here and just talk about Bob the whole time, but <laughs> we got off on a, That's right. a tangent a little bit, um, you know. But so, are you are you playing um, live right now? I mean, right now with the quarantine, there's a lot of things obviously that have been kind of weird since COVID hit. Um, I and I don't know. You said you're up in New York, right? I'm in Jersey now. Oh, you're yeah. in Jersey. So yeah. I, I don't really know how. Um, restricted live music spin. Oh yeah, like, done, it's not happening. Not happening at all. Okay. There's no. a little bit kind of popping up around here, and I I don't know how much time that's gonna last. I mean, it started off with outside venues only, and then now now bars are opening inside, and they're sm- so there's smaller live music uh, events. Nothing nothing bigger than like a bar, but I didn't know what it was like up that way. So, um, have you been embracing the you know, couch concerts, the Facebook live streams or any of that kind of stuff. I've video most of the time. Uh, I did an album that released early 2020 in January. And now this album, I'm just, you know, so I did two albums in a year and I'm trying to release. So the, this, this single will release in August, late August, but then there's another single after and then the full album released sometime in November. So I'm in like, I'm like the album, um, recording it and then halfway through writing the rest. And, uh, but it's coming pretty fast and I should have everything, you know, as they early, um, September hey, to be able to, yeah. Hey, uh, Steven, your phone's cutting out a little bit. I'm just, oh, is it? I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. No, I don't know if you're just sitting in a bad spot in your house or something, or but oh. I just figured I'd okay. bring it up just in case. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. Well, I just started, words yeah. started cutting out and stuff, so I. Okay. Uh, so, I, I, well, I was saying, uh, and let me know if it cuts out again, because I get, I'm back, I'm, I'm back in a different spot now. Oh, okay. Um, the, uh, the, this album should be done in um, uh, be released in um, in November, early November. So all I've been focusing on, rather than streaming and anything, is is working in the studio with with uh, the band and um, and trying to get it get it finished. Uh, you know, fully written. I'm about halfway done. Right. Is that something that you would think about doing, or some of the? facebook live concerts like if the you know let's say you put the record out and obviously shows just aren't happening because i wouldn't be surprised if they don't really happen until next year and i know a lot of people are thinking that way 
examples? Yeah, I mean, I think that my PR company is uh, working on a couple of things in September for me, uh, a couple of live streaming things. And I did, a, two weeks ago, I did a, a live uh, performance for them and us with a stripped-down version of the band, two background singers, and um, my pedal steel player, just for having uh, some content for uh, for social media and also for the for PR. So we did something like that. We recorded it, edited it, and um, so I'm doing little bits and pieces. But my focus is to to finish up the album. Right. Yeah, I just wondered. I, you know, a lot of people are obviously going that route and. I don't know. It's a weird thing to me. Like, I can't really get into it, being completely honest. And I think I've brought that up in other interviews with other artists. And <clears throat> I just, I don't know. It's a weird It's a weird thing I'm still trying to get used to. Like, um, and it's obviously an oversaturated thing right now. Like, everybody and their brothers posting a live video every day. And, you know, I just personally feel like there's just a lot of magic missing when people do that. Yeah. And so I guess I ask because I just kind of wonder what other artists, what their perception is of that, you know, and how they feel about it. And I don't know. I'm not a big fan. I mean, I love playing live. I'm not a big fan. Um, but you know, I think, I think you make lemonade from lemons, I guess. Right. And you, you sort of try to, do the best you can do under the circumstances. And a lot of people are doing it. And if it floats your boat and makes them happy and gets them a little ahead, God bless, you know, right. I pr obviously I'd prefer to be playing live, Oh yeah. but you know, but, um, it's fine if it works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody's just trying to do what they can do, make some sense out of what there's left to make sense out of at this point, I guess. But, you know, it's a tough thing, man. I mean, nobody really thought they'd have to face this. And I know a lot of musicians, you know, that obviously, uh, you know, try to make a living doing it. And it's their main source of income. And, um, you know, especially at a smaller level, if you're just gigging out, playing bars, you know, every weekend. And that's how you that's how you keep the lights on. Then, you know, obviously you're going to try to do something during all of this and. So, so I'm not knocking it, but I don't, <laughs> I have a hard time getting it. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I try to watch, I tr I've tried to watch a few different things to support some friends and stuff. And I did one myself. I, um, cause I'm a singer songwriter as well and everything. And I had a local, uh, animal shelter that was doing a, a benefit thing and they hit me up about playing and. I really didn't want to, but I felt too bad to say no kind of thing. It was such a good cause. I thought, well, and we actually got my dog from, uh, from this shelter. So it was like, I wanted to, cause I wanted to help them out, but it really was never comfortable. <laughs> you know, like it's just a weird thing to sit there and have like your phone or whatever propped up recording yourself. And, you know, it's like staying there playing in a mirror basically. Right. And it just exactly. feels totally weird and just yeah unnatural but uh some people are obviously really good at it you know so i commend them those that are 
but it's a different time, I guess, you know, with social media and everything. I think that, you know, a lot of people are just, uh, there's been a lot of that artists going in that direction anyhow, you know, for self, uh, promotion. Absolutely. So, yep. For PR. Yep. Yep. But. Well, I tell you what, Stephen, I don't know how much time you got. Um, I got pretty much however long, but uh, I don't want to keep you too long either. And um, No, I appreciate it. I appreciate the call, man. Yeah. So the album will be out probably in November. The single release is August 28th. Uh, you can find me on the uh, all the digital platforms, obviously, and uh, website stephenkeen.com pretty simple and spotify Stephen keen as well and soundcloud and everything else also um social media is Stephen keen music so no, if i didn't say that if i didn't say that the pr company would slap my wrist <laughs> right and that's k-e-e sorry <clears throat> k-e-e-n-e right yeah k-e-e-n-e okay. yep, yep. Mm-hmm. i just want to specify so everybody knows although it'll be spelled out when i you know, post the interview and everything, but <laughs> thought just in case, you know. All right. Well, well thanks. hey, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it. All right, Stephen. Thank you. I'll talk to you later on, hopefully. All right. Stay safe. All right. You too.